Hello, and welcome to this episode of GTalk, brought to you by GLP. GLP is a leading global business builder, owner, developer, and operator of logistics real estate, data centers, renewable energy, and related technologies. GLP owns and operates assets and businesses in 17 countries across Asia, Europe, and the Americas. GLP Capital Partners is a global alternative asset manager with approximately $125 billion in assets under management as of the 31st of March this year, 2023. And it's also the exclusive investment and asset manager of GLP. The GLP European operating portfolio consists of more than 9.1 million square meters across the strategic logistics markets, which is leased to blue chip customers such as Amazon, DHL and GXO Logistics. To learn more about GLP's European operations, please go to eu.glp.com. On today's podcast, we're returning to the subject of robotics and automation in the warehouse. And I'm joined by an expert in the field, Hongming Chen, who is the Global General Manager of GRS, or Global Robotics Services. Hi, Hongming. Hi, Paul. And uh, he's joined by Jens Muller, who's the European Sales Director at GRS. Hi, Jens. Hello, Paul. And finally, we have Alessandro Renzo, Managing Director of Italy and Switzerland at GXO. Hello, Paul. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to be here. A pleasure to have you. Perhaps I should start by setting a bit of context and the overall logistics scene. According to a recent study by Gartner titled Hype Cycle for Mobile Robots and Drones 2023... Roughly 75% of companies plan on using some type of robotic automation within their warehouses by 2027. The report was released in August 2023 and found that many organisations already use mobile robots and plan on expanding their fleets over the next three years. Uh, Hongming, would you say that that Gartner research reflects what you're seeing and hearing in the market? I think that's very consistent uh, with what we saw in the market. We believe the big part of it is actually the uncertainty that we're seeing in current market situations. And then key word in the report is actually mobile robots. Uh, it's very different from the past generations of automations, uh, which is very fixed and very difficult to adapt. I think the uncertainty that I was mentioning is caused by a few different factors. Uh, the first and the most important is actually the interest rate. Uh, as we know that we are seeing a hyper interest rate um, cycle. You know, across the North America and Europe, we're seeing central banks uh, hiking the interest rate. That has consequential impacts on different parts of the businesses. And, uh, you know, uh, with the business climate being a bit uncertain than yesterday. The other thing is the inflation. And inflation, not just you know, with the sort of the prices of the common goods and the consumer goods, but also the inflation in labor cost. Now, it's coupled higher labor cost with uh, the lack of laborers in many of the locations uh, where the logistics hubs are operating in. All of those combined together, um, people are looking for solutions of solving those uncertainty problems. Uh, and people wanted to have a solution that can be adapted quickly can be changed quickly and uh, you know can be ramped up quickly or down quickly as it needs to be. And therefore, the mobile robots is the answer to that uncertainty. 
Okay, and that's where your company steps in. Uh, earlier this year, uh, GRS announced its first European project with GXO in Italy. Uh, but it's not your first project globally. In fact, you have more than 3,000-plus robots deployed across China, Singapore, Europe, US and Canada. Uh, but uh, So tell us a bit about GRS and what your solution to this business problem is and how you're finding the market at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, GIS is uh, basically the robotic arm of GLP. This business unit was founded roughly two years ago. Uh, we've done uh, about 30 uh, different projects across the globe. Uh, we've now, by today, four projects in Europe. The one with uh, GXO was the first one um, that we did in Italy. Now, uh, GIS run a very unique business model. Uh, it's uh, called robot as a service. It is very different from you know how traditional robot manufacturers approach the market. Uh, we believe that there is lots of good mobile robot technologies out there, uh, but the adoption in the market you know has not been as high as we expected. Part of the reason is the uncertainty that I just mentioned. Now, uh, what we do is that we do an end-to-end turnkey mobile robot solution for a customer. So we start with a solution design, followed by hardware implementation, software implementation. After all of that, we also do maintenance and after sales. After finishing all of that, we hand over this service uh, to a client. Uh, we pack them into a managed service in a subscription model. And uh, you know this has huge amount of benefits on behalf of our customers, first of all, it really de-risks the projects. Now, in the in the past, I think GXO is a very sophisticated uh, logistic provider, but there are other um, logistic providers out there who doesn't have as rich of an experience with robots. You know, we can guarantee that the, the project works, and the clients are only required to pay once it works. And we can also help to make the cost super transparent because we have a charging model is charged by the transaction or the volume. It's really the amount of service we provide and charged um, according to that. And I think number three, you know, is another big word, uncertainty, is the seasonalities uh, within this part of the business. Uh, as you can imagine, the Black Fridays and Christmas time, uh, the transaction volumes go through the roof. And then we were able to add additional robotic capacity or throughputs to cope with those peaks and then being wrapped into a robotic service subscription model. Therefore, the, the flexibility and the agility is something that, that we provide to our customer. Yeah, so that sounds like three sort of main uh, ideas there. One is avoiding the initial capital expenditure that w- would have to happen if companies decided to go for robotics themselves. The other is their expertise. They don't. You, you provide the expertise. And then the third is this flexibility through varying seasons with different demand at different times of the year. So I've got some e-commerce stats from the European Commission. In 2022, the most common online purchases of goods were clothes, uh, shoes or accessories, and it includes sports clothing. Uh, that was ordered by 42% of internet users. Uh, following wearables, the top five most common online purchases of physical goods were completed by deliveries from restaurants, fast food chains and catering services. That was 19%. Uh, cosmetics, beauty or wellness products was 17%. Furniture, home accessories or gardening products was 16%. And printed books, magazines or newspapers and sports goods, excluding the clothing, uh, they were both at 14%. 
I was also reading that with rising e-commerce, the competition in the marketplace has moved away from competing solely on price, which everyone saw as a race to the bottom, but has moved towards personalization, which has meant a, a shift uh, from e-commerce to omni-channel. Uh, Hongming, perhaps you could explain a little bit about what omni-channel is. Yeah, omni-channel is definitely the new trend. I think the industry went from predominantly store shopping to within the COVID time, especially to e-commerce. Now we are entering into an era where it's truly omni-channel. So you have customers that consider online, but purchase offline. You have people that are exactly the other way around that consider offline, going into a shop, do you know as many as many fittings as you want, but then purchase online because it has more varieties of SKUs, for example. And that has become and sort of you know um, usual thing that you you see across different customer behaviors. Yeah, my understanding is that you're trying to make the customer experience the same whichever channel they're buying it from, whether it's from Instagram or Facebook or or email or through the store or online through a website, and that integrating that experience is slightly more complicated than you would think, but it also then has an impact on the back end in the warehouse, which is where you need to be making sure that the stock that you have is all going to the right place. Is that your experience or have I got that understanding right, uh, Alessandro? That's right. So the challenges uh, behind the omni-channel uh, experience for the consumers into the operation are exactly these ones. We need to make the operations ready to make the shift from retail to e-com and back again. Uh, and that has a direct impact on the way we design our warehouses. So at Jigsaw, we are uh, very uh, uh, open to this shift. We are uh, trying to design for our customer resilient solution in the warehouse. So the warehouse needs to be prepared uh, to manage a higher ratio of retail, of a higher ratio of e-com in the business, whatever is necessary for, for the sales. Well, thanks for that. Perhaps you could just tell us a little bit about GXO. Sure. So for, for those who do not know Jigso, we are the world's largest pure play contract logistics provider. Uh, we like to see ourselves as the logistic partner of choice for some of the best known brands. Uh, less than two years ago, Jigso was created. So we have created a clear leader in the pure play logistics market, advancing our technological leadership and successfully accelerating our growth, uh, setting an industry benchmark for ESG and driving value for our shareholders, people and customers. So Jigsaw customers tend to benefit from our market leading position and the cutting edge technological solution, uh, as Ongmin said. So uh, our customers are navigating into a, a really complex uh, global supply chains uh, environment with uh, elevated inventory levels and high inflation. Uh, as we continue to anticipate tomorrow needs, we are testing the future logistics. So we are adapting our lesson learned in some areas of e-com, for example, and applying them to others. And we focus on modernizing global uh, supply chain solution through our cutting edge technology. Yeah, so um, you opted for GRS to install some uh, robots for you. Uh, so in a warehouse, we've got picking, sorting, packing and sending as the main elements of, of the work. How do you see robotics helping, Alessandro? Yeah, when uh, a new implementation is complete, uh, we do not view as a finish line, but rather as a start of our continuous improvement journey. Every single day, we're looking for opportunities to improve. 
how our operation and automation can better serve our customers. This practice is integral to our approach, which combines our industry-leading expertise with a broad scope of automation. Our engineers assess the most relevant technologies to optimize our product flows through our warehouses based on the customer-specific inventory and volume profile. Uh, we learn lessons from each industry we serve, and every learning helps us to improve the supply chains of our customers in, in other verticals. For example, tech and consumer electronics sees high levels of return purchases that need to be processed and returned back to the inventory for resale efficiently to maintain their maximum value. The fashion industry as well has different types of products, but similar demands. And then we focus on bringing custom solution to all our customers and our diverse exposure position us to detect trends early and apply best practices across industries. Okay, thanks for that. What can you tell us about your experience of working with GRS so far? In Italy, we were delighted to confirm the first project with Jigsaw for the first 3D sortation robotics system in Europe at our Stradella warehouse. This is one of our largest projects in Europe with over 120 sorting robots and 40 robotic cranes. This follows a 30-day pilot program that took place at Jigsaw facility in Stradella, Italy, that houses an e-commerce operation. The installations took just one week, so it was very fast, and more than a dozen 3D sortation robots were programmed to feed 30 trolleys with more than 450 destination bins. The robots achieve a throughput of 1,200 units per hour, uh, over three times more the speed of the previous solution, and could be further scaled to achieve a significantly higher throughput. The pilot also optimized uh, the way of the workforce hours are employed related to the sorting process, reduced sorting errors, and increased the traceability of the holders. This shows how we are constantly looking for uh, and testing innovative technologies to meet our customers' rapidly evolving needs. Well, some impressive uh, statistics there. What's been the reaction to the introduction of robotics from your workers and colleagues? It was actually very positive. Jigsaw is proud to be a leading innovator and we work to identify new ways of working in our processes together with our employees. So our colleagues have been fascinated by the flexibility that the robots give us. We are really pleased to be at the forefront of this new technology. It's very exciting. And uh, this was, uh, as you said, I think a, a fashion brand that you were working for with this product. Uh, but you obviously do, as you said in your answer there, a number of different customer uh, sectors like tech and cosmetics and so on. It's, it, you offer across the, the retail business. Yes, exactly. So this technology has been tested for these fashion e-com operations. But of course, uh, as we said, our uh, technology process, our engineers are working to uh, develop this kind of technology across different industries. And the best practices are, uh, of course, shared by the different uh, kind of operation in our network. Thank you for that. Um, uh, Hong Ming, um, so some impressive numbers from the Italian project there, uh, but you've seen some impressive figures f from your work in Asia as well. Uh, tell us something about that. Yeah, so we are sort of breaking new records every single day. I think we've done uh, one cosmetics project that we've never done before. Uh, that is with a very prestigious uh, French uh, cosmetics um, provider. 
um, and uh, you know we were able to do uh, three thousand units per hour uh, across uh, two hundred fifty different destinations. This is something that our customers haven't seen before in the past uh, with the amount of capacity and the capabilities. Uh, last week, um, you know, I was doing one of our largest parcel projects uh, with one thousand uh, choose i.e. destinations uh, in one go uh, with a capacity of ten thousand. Power. So that that breaks, you know, our all highs of new capacity records again uh, last week, and we were super happy with those new progresses that we're working uh, with projects. Jens, you've been working across Europe. Uh, how has that been going? Yeah, so uh, so my journey, my personal journey, was just starts around about one year ago, and I've been able to meeting many of the GLP customers and many new customers and talk about our solution, our service with them, and it's what's really in the Impressive to see how the reaction of the customers will be. And uh, what sectors are you finding the most receptive? It's, it's totally different. Um, when I start, my first thoughts were uh, I only see a solution with our robots in the e-commerce with a B2C sorting. But after many discussions in this area of the industry, um, we see so many potential applications. We see it in the sorting of medicines. We see it in the B2B store delivery or in the parcel sorting, maybe in the outbound of a warehouse or directly in the parcel service provider. Okay, so you've got a number of different solutions then. And we heard from Alessandro uh, that was the first project in Europe. Uh, but you've got some other installations up and running. Uh, take us through the process, how it works for a customer. Yes, um, when we have the first initial contact with a customer, we just collect some numbers of his business, like how many throughputs he need, how many destinations he need, and we're building up a solution for him. And if the customer agrees on our solution, we just go to a POC, a proof of concept. That means we install a smaller version of our solution in the warehouse of our customers, and he can test it directly with a really deep testing scenario. That allows the customer to prove everything we uh, we told him in in capacity, in throughput per hour, in stability, in accuracy, and also the thing he can test. Yes, I've seen the pictures of robots going backwards and forwards in warehouse, and it's important to know that as they're sorting, they're, they're collecting an item and they're delivering it to its distribution platform, uh, you need to test that it works for the specific product for that customer. And then also you have this interface between the customer's existing uh, warehouse management system and your robot software that is kind of, there's a, there's a sufficient data wall there, and you, you're proving the concept, as you say. Um, what happens after that um, proof of concept? Most of the time, we just uh, figured out some um, KPIs, some uh, key numbers, uh, which we have to reach during the PLC. And if you reach the, these key numbers, uh, most of our customers decide, OK, to install a full solution. For example, in this time, we work together with a parcel service provider in Germany and say, okay, if we reach the KPIs with our solution, which we promise to them, the platform will directly stay in his uh, warehouse. Okay. Uh, KPI, for uh, those not familiar with the jargon, is a key performance indicator. So, Hong Ming, what new systems have come on stream since we spoke last year? Yeah, I think, you know, one thing that's new and uh, that we're super excited about uh, is our sorting solutions for post and parcel. In fact, that we're going to Amsterdam uh, in about four weeks time for an exhibition in that industry. 
uh, it is something that that we are super proud of at the moment. Okay, and what uh, what barriers, if if any, are you finding to installations, and and what are you hearing from customers? I, I think um, if we talk about in you know, a post and parcel, right, it it is an industry that's been out there for a very long time. There are established players out there. Uh, with the names like FedEx, DHL, uh, UPS, very established, um, not a lot of changes uh, for the past decades. Uh, now, I think the new challenges emerge uh, with you know the emergence of e-commerce and omnichannels, and there are sort of new requirements from the customer side where they want the parcel originally in three days' time after placing the order, now they want it in one day's time. And there are sort of the requirements that are expected to be on the same day delivery, which to some extent is quite insane. Um, and you know some of the problems that you know, in terms of operations that the parcel companies had in the past was, for example, there are always a percentage uh, of the parcel that cannot be automatically handled. Uh, that number stood at about fifteen percent uh, with the old generations of the automations. Um, and there are limitations on you know, how many destinations or choose a system can sort in one go. Uh, that number stood up 80 to 100. So, you know, the system could only sort a particular parcel into 100 destinations. Uh, our newer solutions were able to break records in all of those regards. We were able to sort up to 98% of all types of parcels, leaving the only remaining two percent to be manually sorted uh, we were able to provide a sorting solution that can sort to 1000 destinations which allows a very very large sorting hub to sort directly into delivery vans and delivery men uh, that goes out into individual households without having multiple layers of those sorting operations uh, from the city to districts and then to the delivery van. So we, our technology brings a series of advantages to this ancient industry, if I may say. Okay, but it doesn't work just for large-scale businesses. You, it's a solution that can work for small businesses as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I think you know we are super proud of being able to do a turnkey solution uh, that works for the large customers like Accentures, but also work for the mid-sized customers that doesn't have the same amount of experience, talent, and technology on their side. We were able to help them nevertheless. And Alessandro, what, what sort of innovation are you uh, seeing in the market and are you looking for as a company as we go forwards? What are you looking at? Well, it's even more, um, we call it small tech. So it's a, a adaptive, flexible automation, not only big installation, uh, which are, of course, part of the, of the marketplace, part of the uh, solution design we are offering to our customers, uh, but even more uh, trying to adapt our current traditional processes with the new, uh, very easy to be implemented uh, cross-functional technologies. That's the where the market is going. So flexibility, uh, really fast implementation and uh, backup are the three keywords for the technology that's coming ERC in my perspective. Okay. Um, final thoughts. Coming to you, Jens. What's my approach is, with our solution, we can show our customers that they can use our solution for many different sorting tasks. So, for example, Alessandro knows in this moment he can sort his orders or the B2C orders, but he can also use the same platform to sort the parcels in the outbound of the warehouse. And we see the same in the, in the parcel service industry. 
they they save one sorting job. They can directly sort the parcels to the tours or to the districts and not for the next parcel hub. And these things are game changers for all of our customers. So they save so many time because they don't need so many different solutions for the sorting parts and or for the sorting jobs in the warehouses and so on. So this is integrating inside a warehouse, a solution which is covers then the business to customer, the business to business like in-store delivery, but then also uh, the 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 packaging and parceling of stuff to a number of distribution outlets. Hong Ming, what final thoughts from you? Uh, I think, you know, I, I just want to echo uh, what Jens just said. Our technology has the flexibility of handling many different scenarios within the warehouse. We could do inbound, we could do e-com fulfillment, we can do two-store dispatch and sorting, we can do outbound, we can do packages. So, I mean, this is all based on one same base technology uh, of our mobile robots. And that I find extremely exciting um, and fascinating. Alessandro, any final thoughts from you? Yes, of course. I think we are aiming to extend our more than 30% of the sites automated is one of the, I think, world record from the logistics business. So we are going to increase this number uh, over the, the next coming years. Our robots will help us a lot, definitely. So it will be a new a new challenge for us, but of course, we'll be very successful. Oh, well, that's all we've got time for today. My thanks to today's experts, Hongming Chen from GRS. Thank you, Pop. Uh, Alessandro Renzo, Managing Director, Italy and Switzerland at GXO. Thank you, Paul. And Jens Muller uh, from GRS. Thank you, Paul, for being part of the podcast. <laughs> My pleasure. My name is Paul Shearer. Have a lovely day. Thanks for listening to this episode of GTalk. You can find other episodes in this series in all the usual podcast places. Be sure to subscribe. You can also find out more on GLP Europe's website, eu.glp.com.